0: When your trauma is healing, you will no longer tend to see things in black and white terms. People, yourself, situations. You will no longer hold them up as all good or put them down as all bad. And you'll begin to appreciate the complexity of things and the way people can have faults, but still be decent people anyway. And you'll have less outrage and more curiosity about other points of view. You'll have less impatience and more persistence, and you'll lose the attraction to extreme views or authority figures and gain the ability to interact with a variety of people and educate yourself. And relationships where one person dominates will become more equal uh, or they'll fade away (laughs) and it will be less necessary to cut people out of your life. So think of all the struggle you've had in the past around these problems and how good it will feel to be free.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason, back in the building, live, KBLA Talk 1580. You know we're broadcasting from Africa Town, AKA, Limert Park. Your brother Zoe Williams got another heater. I got another heater. I got another heater. Man, listen. It's relationships are tough. Relationships are tough. And that's why for many people, relationships are finite. They they have a a, a beginning and an end point. Uh, and it's really tough that it has to be that way. Um, and and this is let me just preface this by uh, by saying this here. Uh, if you're in an abusive relationship with somebody putting their hands on you or just You know, you have a a right to get the hell out of there. okay? But a challenging relationship where there are some opportunities. uh, You know, to see and disagree with the humanity of your partner, meaning when I say the humanity of your partner, I'm talking about the flaws in your partner's character. Uh, That's not always a good reason to leave. And this is why I'm doing this topic tonight on black and white thinking. The clip that we just played uh, really broke it down. And this is why I decided to do this topic. Tonight's topic, when it comes to intimate relationships, is everybody a bottom liner? No one seems to care about context anymore. A riveting and comprehensive look at why you should stop explaining yourself to a black and white thinker. This is about to get deep. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. Call me, call me, call me. 1-800-920-1580. In intimate relationships, right, as well as in life, what does it mean to be a bottom liner, also known as a black and white thinker? Or In psychology, they call it splitting, right? So what's very interesting about this is you hurt your partner. You do wrong by your partner. They bottom line it. Bottom line, this is who you are. Bottom line, you did this. You must be this. For a lot of people, that's how they think. True or false. You should never try to explain yourself to a pair of unwilling ears that belong to a black and white thinker. Ugh. True or false? The more you explain yourself to a black and white thinker, the more you will be condemned, labeled, judged, and held in contempt. This is. We had Dr. Alan Berger on yesterday. And Dr. Allen Berger was touching on some points that were very, very powerful. Right. And, and, And some of those points centered around the idea that you're at a low level of consciousness if you can't shift your perspective. Right? He was saying many people who are hurt in a relationship or who have gone through difficulties within relationships seem to have a difficult time seeing a chain of events in um, in a nonlinear way. When we say nonlinear, we're saying contextual. We see the whole lens of the possibility of why things happened, and we're we're a bit more open. For why things happen. But oftentimes if you're hurt. The bottom line gets inserted. How does cultivating. Listen. How does cultivating a flexible. And contextual perspective. Enhance the dynamics. And overall value. Of an intimate relationship. Context. I understand where you're coming from. Understanding does not mean. Accepting. Or you know, agreeing doesn't necessarily mean green. Right. Uh, Attila Phillips in the chat said big picture versus detailed oriented. And I would even shift detail oriented. Right. A little bit. I would add to detail oriented. Sometimes it's detail and. Outcome oriented. At the end of the day, the outcome I got was this. So this is who you are. Right. How does one's communication style impact their interactions with individuals who tend to think in black and white terms? Bottom line is this bottom liner. This this is what it is in the realm of intimate relationships. How can we transcend the limitations imposed by black and white thinking? allowing us to perceive and comprehend our partner in a more authentic and unfiltered manner, fostering deeper connections along with deeper understanding. How can one strike a balance between expressing oneself authentically and avoiding unnecessary conflict or negative reaction reactions uh, from those who think in black and white terms. Very, very tough. I was just talking to my girl and I was telling her, I'm not taking no for an answer. I mean, I was just playing, of course. I was, you know, she was saying no, by the way. But I was saying, I'm not taking no for an answer. But she was saying no. And I had to take the no because. I'm not really a black and white thinker. Are you suffering from black and white thinking in your intimate relationships? I really want to know. And 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 let me just go even deeper. The futility that is associated with explaining yourself to somebody who is unwilling to listen. Somebody who is unwilling to consider Where you're coming from. I want to know. Do you get caught in those webs. Where you find yourself. Spinning your wheels. Trying to get your point across. Trying to paint a contextual picture. But ultimately your partner. Just sees it. In black and white. Firstly it is important to understand. That individuals with a black and white mindset. Tend to perceive the world. In absolutes lacking the ability or willingness to embrace nuance or complexity they often adhere to a rigid belief system or ideologies that leave room for alternative perspectives right it's either this or that let me can we go even deeper is context and nuanced conversation, just intellectualizing, justifying, are y'all listening? Intellectualizing, justifying, or making excuses. Because many people see context and explaining oneself or overly explaining oneself as intellectualizing. Oh, you're just intellectualizing the problem. You're just justifying your behavior. You're just making excuses. Woof. Woof. Uh-oh. Or is context actually valuable? This is what I was thinking when this happened. This is what I was thinking when I said this. This is where those thoughts and words these are the feelings and the place it came from i think it could be true that a lot of people use uh explaining as a means to make excuses but i also think lazy listeners use bottom lining to not get context you know why because if you get context if you listen, if you're a critical thinker, critical thinking tells us whenever you are presented with information, contextual information, your preconceived ideas and notion notions must be recontextualized if they are coming from a place of truth, if they are facts. So sometimes people don't want to hear the nuanced discussion because they've already made up their mind. When we come forward, the voice of reason is taking phone calls. Jump to your phones. 1-800-920-1580. Y'all know how we do. The voice of reason is on fire tonight, live from KVLA Talk 1580. Context or excuses? Is context good for discussion? Nuanced? discussion where we want a deeper understanding or is contextual conversing nuanced conversing uh, is intellectual masturbation in relationship Hmm? excessive explanation or justification can be perceived as a sign of weakness or uncertainty by those who with a black and white mindset These individuals often value certainty and clarity above all else, seeking definitive answers and avoiding ambiguity. For me, I am a mixture between a black and white thinker and a nuanced conversationalist. Right. I want to have nuanced conversations that give contextual meaning for Uh, events that may happen in my relationship. But at the same time, you know, I do want clarity. I want, uh, I I don't really like ambiguity uh, when they are direct, clear things you can answer. Um, Again, things like love, You know that's 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 an intangible piece, right? Right, but it's hard to you know. And then you you need nuance. You need somebody to, to to expound. What do you mean? You know by what you said. You know, sometimes these are difficult conversations to have. But I'm in the middle, black and white thinking. When you, I'm looking, I'm listening for an answer that I can hold on to, but I also understand that certain things can't really be answered in that way. Furthermore, excessive explanation or justification can inadvertently reinforce the black and white mindset by inadvertently validating its binary thinking. Uh, When individuals attempt to explain or justify their position extensively, they may inadvertently reinforce the notion that there are only two opposing sides to an issue, inadvertently reinforcing black and white thinking, the perspective of it. This can further entrench the individual's rigid beliefs, leading to increased condemnation, labeling, judgment, or contempt for those who deviate from their established world view listen every relationship can work let me tell you that right now every relationship can work part of making the relationship work is not aggrandizing the acts of humanity that happen within the relationship We tend to blow, not blow it up, because hurt is hurt, and everybody feels hurt, but I'm going to tell you right now, hurt can shatter your partner's image of who they think you are, because there's a bottom lining that comes with it that says, I can't believe you did that, or I can't believe you said that. Do you know how you acted? Do you know how what you did, how that affected me, right? So then the person who loves, the person who cares, if they're worth their salt, what are they going to do? They're going to try to explain, listen, this is why this happened. This is where I was coming from. My intent was this. I didn't mean that, but guess what? What you're saying usually carries less weight than what happened. Is that because we're black and white thinkers? Right? It is worth noting that excessive explanation or justification can also be perceived as a form of intellectual elitism or condescension by individuals with a black and white mindset. They may interpret The act of providing extensive explanations as an attempt to assert intellectual superiority as a means to belittle their beliefs. Right? That's ugly. This perception can trigger feelings of resentment or hostility, resulting in condemnation or contempt towards the individual offering the explanation. Are we not in these types of relationships? Any relationship can be healed if you got two willing partners. Willingness is a level of consciousness. Right? Resistance and resentment is a level of consciousness. Right? And I don't have to tell you what's a high level of consciousness, low level of consciousness. Uh, again, and I'm not talking about relationships that are exceedingly violent or abusive or any of that. I'm talking about People going through life together as works in progress, as whips, right? And sometimes we get overwhelmed, we get flabbergasted, we 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 run out of we run out of gas, we do all of that. But as Dr. Allenberger said yesterday, dissatisfaction, disappointment, disillusionment. Is actually a part of healthy relationships. Wow, we have to be able to move through those moments. Oh, this is ugly. To navigate these challenges, it is crucial to strike a balance between providing explanations and respecting the mindset of those with a black and white perspective. While it is important to promote understanding and encourage critical thinking, It is equally important to acknowledge the limitations of excessive explanation in changing deeply ingrained beliefs. Instead, focusing on and fostering empathy, active listening and open dialogue can be more uh, effective in bridging the gap between differing perspectives. We're on fire tonight. And I want to get a caller in real quick. I'll tell her, Houston, Texas, get in here.
2: What? I was not expecting that. What's going on, Uncle Joe?
1: What's happening? You good?
2: I'm all right. I'm all right. Listen, um, why are you calling me out?
1: (laughs) I called you out. Why are you
2: calling me out? Uh -uh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm struggling with the black and white thinking. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Why are you struggling with the Um,
3: black and white thinking?
2: Because... Black and white thinking is comfortable for me. Like coming from a family where you always have to have an answer. Mm. Um, so I feel like I'm being positioned in a place in life where there's a lot of gray now.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so it's just, I guess, about giving compassion to to other people, but I got to remember to give it to myself too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just kind of teaching me, I guess, to tune my ears to more so to people's hearts and less towards the mission of trying to give them an answer or help them through their situation.
1: Mm, context, huh? You, yeah. you, you don't really like context, do you?
2: I like context within certain situations. It depends.
5: I mean, okay. Like,
1: okay. Uh, hold your thought. When we come forward, we going back to Houston, Texas. Attila gonna talk about it.
5: It's so important for us to recognize what black or white or all or nothing thinking is. It's also called by its technical term splitting. And I want you to be so clear after this episode that you can see what's happening. You can see if it's happening within you and you can see when it's happening within the other person. Those people that I call hijackles, particularly. And a hijackal, in my trademark term, is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own needs and purposes and then relentlessly scavenges it for power, status, and control. You probably know one, that's why you're here. So one of the things that they have in their arsenal, and we all do to a degree, is this capacity for seeing things in a different way whenever they feel threatened. And hijackles always feel threatened. And that's an important function to understand because this all or nothing black or white thinking is very, very polarizing obviously by the title. And so it's this or it's that. There's no ability to see all the possibilities between this and that something is wonderful or it's terrible i am loved or i am leaving i hate or i adore but nothing in between they can't get the pieces together so it's very divisive by the nature of it but it's divisive in a relationship which is why i asked the question is black or white thinking all or nothing thinking ruining your relationship and it's a little bit contagious if you're with somebody who's always threatening to leave always in that polarized position you may start thinking in those terms too and so you may be ordering your behavior in that way so there's a big caution to see has it spilled over into your interpretation of what is the way to have a relationship and and these
1: that's what we talk about tonight. Black and white thinking, the voice of reason back in the building live on KBLA Talk 1580. You already know where we are. We're in legendary Africa Town, Leimert Park. Callers are on fire. The phones are lit. Let me get back to Atala from Houston, Texas, to continue this black or white thinking conversation. Atala. Yes, sir. All right. So.
2: Mm. Based on what she said when she talked about it kind of being contagious, right? I'm wondering, okay, so if I'm adopting this black and white thinking as a result of being in a relationship with someone who has that state of mind, I guess my question is, is that like a form of reactive abuse? Mm. Or like, how does that? work essentially like if you're going to continuously pick at me in a certain way let's say maybe they're really paranoid or whatever the case may be and they're constantly picking at you and you have a response to that by saying okay well fine i'll just leave like that kind of quick snap um like how did i have so many questions wow
1: now you know what's interesting about your question i think your question actually embodies the typical response right what did you call it uh mm-hmm. r- uh reactive say it again i was reactive I
2: abuse reactive
1: yeah. abuse so sometimes mm-hmm. people say you doing this to me i'm going to do that to you right you, you, okay i'm mm-hmm. I, i'm going to flip it back on you here's the thing and this goes back to uh, you know various conversations i've had on this platform right and that is this no space for humanity So, again, Mm -hmm. you you do something, I'm going to label it as negative, as bad, as wrong, as not good for me. I'm not going to understand the context by which any of that could happen in the first place. Right. So let me give you an example. Oftentimes we don't really look at the partner and go, "Eh, you know, what? where are you from? Who raised you or who didn't raise you? We don't really look at Mm -hmm. that, right? Until something happens in the relationship. Then we start saying, oh, wow, you come from this environment. This is how you were raised. This is your attachment style. You get what I'm saying? We usually don't start there. We usually wait to see how somebody shows up. And then when they show up, that's when the black and white thinking goes, oh, this is who you are. As opposed to, mm-hmm, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this is where you came from. Now let's work on undoing that. See, a contextual thinker or listener will be able to say, okay, I see where you're coming from. Now, you can't be with me like that, but this is where you should start your work at, right? Mm, okay. okay. Do, do you see where I'm going with that? Yes. But many yes, people definitely. use the black and white thinking apparatus or strategy as a way to justify saying this is who you are and lock you into that belief system now to me I believe it creates conflict so now I'm going to ask you this question mm-hmm. moral ambiguity mm. <coughs> mm-hmm. do, uh, 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 do you understand do, No. Yeah. what I'm saying is That black and white thinking is going to lock in the conflict. This was either good for me or it was bad for me. Here's the contextual understanding of that. Watch. The worst relationship we were ever in taught you the most, right? Oh, yes. I learned this. I learned that. Wow, it was valuable. Mm -hmm. So by right, you should look at the relationship as gray. Right? in a gray sense like oh okay and if you learned a lot and you evolved as dr uh, uh berger said yesterday sometimes you don't have to start a new relationship you can restart the one you were in and renew it and make it new so now let me ask you this question to what extent should what extent Should relationships incorporate elements of moral and emotional ambiguity to foster a more comprehensive understanding within the context of marriage and relationships? And could this approach enhance the likelihood of cultivating a healthy relationship? Did you hear what I just said? Yes, I did. That That was a lot. Yes. So let me read it again. To what extent should relationships incorporate elements of moral and emotional ambiguity to foster a more comprehensive understanding within the context of marriage and relationships? And could this approach, moral ambiguity and emotional ambiguity, enhance the likelihood of cultivating a healthy relationship? What is emotional ambiguity? Attila.
2: Oof. Emotional ambiguity. That's tough. I would say if I could speak, I guess, from my past situations, emotional ambiguity would have been allowing that person to be in whatever emotional state that they were in without me having to or trying to figure anything out, putting any me pieces together. I'll, Just stay, kind of allowing it
1: to exist. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. We come forward. We're going back to Adela because we're cooking right now. The Voice of Reason is on fire. Black and white thinking or just making excuses. The legendary Donny Hathaway. My playlist is my co-host, The Voice of Reason. Back in the building. We're having a deep topic. Do you have a limited perspective? Do you have an expanded perspective? And if you have an expanded perspective, uh, are your intellectualizations just justifications for your poor behavior? Are you a bottom liner? Bottom line, this is what it is. I go by actions. I don't go by words. You said what you said. You know, somebody said I'm a gray jedi. Yes. ghetto gourmet. I'm a gray jedi. There I'm there's some ambivalence in me. And I think that helps me to understand Both sides of the coin. A limited and inflexible uh, perspective on intimate relationships can contribute to challenges in maintaining healthy and fulfilling relationships in several ways. Unrealistic expectations. When individuals have a narrow view of what a relationship should be like. They may have an unrealistic expectation of their partner. This can lead to disappointment and frustration when their partner does not meet these rigid expectations, causing strain in the relationship. You're in a relationship with a human being. If you don't have space for humanity in the relationship, there will be an uptick in conflict, in my, expe- in, 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 in my opinion. There will be a lack of accountability because it's bottom line, either is this or that. A limited perspective uh, on relationships often means being resistant to change or new experiences. Relationships require growth and adaptation over time. And if one or both partners are unwilling to be flexible, it can hinder the development of the relationship and prevent it from evolving into a healthier and more fulfilling state. Listen to that. We're talking about an inflexible perspective here, or black and white thinking, or splitting, right? Lack of adaptability. Why do we adapt, Atala? Atala, why do we adapt?
2: Oof, why do we adapt? Oh. I mean, hmm. I feel like we adapt because, well, you could adapt for multiple reasons. Maybe you're looking for an outcome and it's manipulative. (laughs) Maybe you're genuinely adapting because you're trying to understand your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a lot of things. People-pleasing, so that's like an Mm -hmm. over-adaptability. I think the biggest reason why we adapt is because we recognize that there is a change that needs to be made and whether that's within us or within that person, you just have a willingness to do what it is that
1: needs to be done. True Monger said to survive, survive the relationship environment I'm hearing. Sometimes yes, uh, sometimes adaptability isn't really authentic adaptability. Sometimes it's just acting, it's performance. right
2: especially if that's how you live that's how you were raised i mean you're talking about being in a state of constant uh fight or flight all the time you know your right serotonin levels or whatever like yeah that that's your norm is adapting because it brings safety
1: but what about psychological and philosophical adaptation Mm. that means you're growing that means you're expanding you're learning yeah you're growing again we rather, we rather take what we've learned from a difficult situation and take that to a new situation and say that the, mm-hmm. the, the situation that we had to learn that from wasn't a good situation. When in actuality, Correct. it could be a, di- a good situation if you shift your perspective. You broaden right. your perspective, Right. This is true. I mean, that kind of
2: goes back to the mask thing, too, um, right? If, if the issue was that, you know, someone's mask slipped and there was a horrible reaction to this mask slip, then, I mean, I think trying to recontextualize it by saying, well, I'm going to move to a new situation because the old one didn't work out is a way to keep your mask on because then you don't have to really um, address what it is that you did
1: in the situation oh, that's good. and you don't
2: have to address the pain of letting go of something that could possibly be good
1: for you wow good stuff good stuff Atala from houston texas always calling in making me think <laughs> if you want to bring your city in the building you know what you got to do all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580 call me call me call me call me who i got on the line next zylon been on the longest let's get him in here alexandria louisiana Talk to me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What up, sir? Can you,
3: can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Talk to me. Okay. I'm going to to all the people in, in the chat room. I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. Okay, secondly. You know, yesterday's show that you did was so, like, fire. It was so, like, in tune to this topic that you're doing tonight. hmm Because yesterday I was... I was with my uh, my children's mother, mm-hmm. and we were having a conversation about relationships and how, you know, the, the ins and outs and stuff. And I really recognized that she was having a black and white thinking of how relationships go. And as I kept trying to explain it to her, it was getting murkier and murkier. Mm-hmm. And it was the most amazing thing that you did that show last night because when I played that for her, I shared it to her, and she listened to it. She texted me today. She says, "I didn't know." I said, "I know you didn't know." That's why I was talking to you yesterday.
0: Mm.
3: Mm. Because these these relationship expectations, the, when Doctor Allenberger said yesterday, we expect so much. We we expect so much from the world. We expect little from the world, but we, I mean, we expect so much from the world, but we expect so little from ourselves. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that hit her in her chest because she's married to a whole other dude, but she didn't him out. You didn't mm. push them to the side, and you think in your estimation of what you're doing is the black and white thinking of I've done thing. and I'm like no. You're coming up with excuse. You're 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 literally devaluing everything about a relationship for what it should be. That's heavy. It was the most. It was the most. So it was the most. Bob is up. I'm sorry, Bob is up. It was so incredible the conversation we had yesterday. Because I've been with this woman for twenty five years. Like my kids, my oldest daughter is twenty six. She just graduated college. My son is twenty two. I'm having a conversation with somebody I have been in relationship with for a number of years, and it was so encouraging just to watch her try to digest a new paradigm, a new perception of these are not people that are not outside of the experience of life. So, Mrs. O'Williams, so Dr. Allenberg, come on, I'm reading. So watch this, Zyla. Hey.
1: The most nuanced and contextually interesting song ever written, right? If I Were Your Girlfriend by Prince. I'm going to write a record from the perspective of being your girlfriend because I know the way girls talk is different than the way you're going to talk to your man. So if I were your girlfriend, right, would you talk to me in an open, vulnerable space the way you would with your girlfriend? And then even more than that, would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if that somebody was me? Do you understand? That's context for your tale. But a lot My of people. Go
3: ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. You were okay. just making such a poignant point because all the relationships of the women I have had in the last two years, I've asked that question. When you presented the first time, I was like, I never think about. It. But wait, like, I'm not talking. Listen, but
1: I'm not talking about like domestic violence. I'm talking about hurt their feelings, make them feel small. Listen, hang tight, Zylon. When we come forward, we got so much more to talk about.
0: Hi, it's Dr. Fox, licensed psychologist in the state of Texas. And in this video, I want to talk about splitting with your partner who may also be your favorite person. And I think it's important first to recognize that Splitting is common, not only in those with BPD, but also in many individuals, personality disordered or not. And what splitting is, it is that black and white, all or nothing thinking. You think in extremes, either it's everything and all things, always, never. And you can catch that tendency to split when you're using those extreme terms always, never, um, forever, things like that. So it's really important to pay attention to the things that you're thinking and saying. It's not just the things that you're saying. And that's where the partner stuff and favorite person stuff comes in. And that can be that you know a lot of times, sometimes our partners let us down or they don't meet our expectations or they don't do what we expect them to do. And it's during those times that it gives BPD, an opportunity to take advantage, to amplify your core content, things that are going on underneath. That core content can sometimes, and it is for many individuals with BPD, it can be emptiness, abandonment, it can be fear of rejection, it can be a lot of different things. And I think that those three are probably the most common that I see in my clients that are along the BPD spectrum but it can be a variety of other things for yourself. And what happens is, is when you have these issues or these experiences or these, what I like to say is they're kind of like sensory indicators. When you believe that your partner is going to abandon you or reject you, or you have a moment where you feel very alone and it triggers this sense of emptiness that feels like it can't be filled. What happens is you have what's called surface structure surface content and surface structure surface content what that is is that's sort of the manifestation of the activation whoa
1: whoa man these relationship talks get deep man black and white thinking i wonder if people really understood the power of non-evaluative observation in a relationship To be able to observe what is going on without judgment. This is what Krishnamurti talked about, right? Uh, In the pursuit of understanding human intelligence, J. Krishnamurti, a renowned philosopher, proposed a thought-provoking notion. The ability to observe without evaluating is the highest form of intelligence, right? That's that's heavy. That's heavy. We're going to delve into the philosophical and psychological and intimate relationship implications. By examining the concept of non-evaluative observation, we can uncover its potential to foster personal growth, enhance relationships, and challenge social norms. Number one, the essence of non-evaluative observation. Non-evaluative observation refers to the act of perceiving the world without imposing judgments or, compre- or preconceived notions. It involves a state of pure awareness where one simply observes the unfolding events, thoughts, and emotions without attaching labels of good or bad, right or wrong. This form of observation requires a heightened level of mindfulness and self-awareness, enabling individuals to transcend their conditioned thinking patterns. I was raised this way, and that action to me looks like that. That's what that is. And we'll bottom line out on it. Nuance, justifications, intellectualizations are all... Excuses. You just intellectualize and you're philosophizing. And yes, that is a problem when people are trying to do that. But I'm pointing out something here because a lot of clinicians and psychological work moving towards mindfulness. Did you know mindfulness is really the practice of emptying your mind? It's not mindful, as in let's fill it up. It's actually emptying your mind of the preconceived ideas and notions that have existed there, that causes you to judge, that causes you to fear, that causes you to resist. Nothing can ever be renewed or made new because the old mind is still behind every definition of action you perceive in others. Krishnamurti was ahead of his time. The ability to observe without evaluation is the highest form of intelligence. We need this in intimate relationships. Zylon from Alexandria, get in
3: here. So... So let me say this, because after last night's show and and what you're saying today, it is it's so powerful. During our coaching, you gave me two books to read that I'm still reading right now. Mm-hmm. Joe, uh, Doctor Joe Dispenza's "How to Break Up with Yourself" mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor uh, Hawkins' "Power vs Force." Mm-hmm. And in the conversation I was having yesterday with my baby's mother. And the enlightenment that came after that, it was like the understanding of knowing exactly what you're saying right now, the words you just said, of how to ask the questions to test yourself, how to ask questions to get you beyond a certain point of understanding. Like, she didn't know that that was a, a thing to do. And so when I opened it up to her, her whole existence has changed. So, this, 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 your show, your ability to articulate these topics, your ability to say, look, let's look beyond this realm of physicality, of uh, uh, transactionalism, or uh, relationships being this way. I use that. I accept that. I, I'm agreeable to that. And it leads to possibilities for me. In my further relationships for people to know. He is not here for whatever that foolishness is. Mm. In the words of my boy, uh, Heru Ali, I have said what I just said. We ain't going to say no more. This is where we at.
1: Hey, man. Thank you, Brother Zylon, Alexandria, Louisiana. When we come forward, the voice of reason shall continue this most intriguing discussion. Well, make- we on fire tonight, man. Tonight's topic, man, we got to have a mental revolution. We have to revolutionize the way we see things. Let me say this is why forgiveness is so difficult. Right? Forgiveness is exceedingly difficult because it's just a set of words. Right? It's just, it's just a set of words. It's a phrase. I forgive you. But if you look at the lens of, through which you are looking at your partner, if it's a black and white lens, if it's a, uh, uh, an inflexible lens, wow, it's, it's really hard to forgive. If it's a judgmental lens, see, forgiveness is akin to mindfulness. Forgiveness is a washing away of things things are washed away there's a grace there there's a okay that happened but the happening is not you whatever happened is not you for many people whatever happened to them at the hands of somebody else cheating lying marginalizing whatever uh man you become that thing in their mind and you you really can't be anything other than that. All you have to do is have a conversation with them and they will outline all the reasons why they don't trust you or you're not trustworthy. Because everything is based on what was done, not what could be. And again, oftentimes you have to have a revolutionary mind to get outside of the mold i should say the mold we came from and the mold that the relationship creates around us is very heavy man wounds and hurt creates moles i'm not saying moles like moles on your face a mold right a wound is a is is a mold in uh in a in a in a it's it happened at a time, and when that happened, there's a timestamp. Boom, and then there's a mold there. Like, oh, this is who that person is. Maybe, maybe not. We've got callers on the line that want to talk about it, though. Let's get them. True monger been on the longest, Dallas, Texas. Get in here. Yes, sir. What's happening, man? What are your thoughts about tonight's topic?
4: Oh man, uh, it, it's it's an exposing topic because a lot of people do continue to think this way and they'll, they'll probably be conditioned to think that way. And then they never bother to learn any other way, or they don't want to see the human in themselves or their partner. Mm. They just want to go by, uh, this wherever the standards are, wherever the structure is, wherever the, mo- wherever they model. And they think that's all it is to it. But we're, we're all too flawed for that. Mm. We got, we got to get to the point where we we can see where we can be in the gray area and acknowledge what they may have done, how they act and just take it for the human they are. But the, gray,
1: the gray area is scary though, bro.
4: Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: That's that's what I say. I'm 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 a mm-hmm. yeah, so so what is scary. Let's jump in, right?
4: Yeah, cause if I if I remain in my comfort zone, yeah, as soon as you uh, commit an infraction, I'm gonna hold you by that and never let it go. Right. But that's not doing me any good, and it's not doing that person any good. Cause I wouldn't want that done to me, even though it has been.
1: But see, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying about nuance. When Mm -hmm. you stretch your perspective, right? When you stretch Mm -hmm. your perspective, again, nuance just adds so much more depth to Mm -hmm. what you're experiencing, right? To what you're going through. You're you're not as quick to say, this is good or bad, right or wrong. You Mm -hmm. You might even take a negative situation and say, this was fulfilling. Do you see see? back to what we were talking about yesterday with Alan Berger, when we mentioned Rumi, when Rumi said the light is where the wound or the wound, the the wound is where the light enters. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, for many people that are black and white thinkers, that's oxymoronic. First off, if the light is healing, but the wound is I don't I really don't want nothing to touch that wound. I don't want nothing to touch that wound. And many people don't understand light is a metaphor for enlightenment. So I, I, I listen, don't touch the wound because black and white thinking is this is good. This is bad. It's a binary process. This is good for me. This is bad for me. And if they don't understand that the light is a healing process, then a a, a, a concept like, you know, Rumi's poem there where he says, you know, the wound is where the light enters. Many people might not want that, you know. They might not want to be a part of that process. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, and that's unfortunate for them because they're stunting their own growth by thinking that way. But you could point it out all day to them. It still has to sink in for them, and they have to be, re- be the ones to change that. So that's where their accountability and the responsibility come in. Most people don't want to be responsible for their humanity. You not know, that part of it.
0: Right. They just
4: wanna go through go through this this society. Almost cuss. But uh <laughs> don't cuss. Don't cuss. Through, they just, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. They just wanna go through the go through the motions. Right. Not do any self work. I just man, I've, had, I've been cheated on, I've been lied to. I've been through all that. And there were points in my life where I did think black and white. Oh, you did this to me. That's all, there's no point of you leaving and being in contact with you because mm. you're just going to keep doing it. I have to grow out of that.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Again, my yeah. brother, my brother, True Monger, we always appreciate your insight, brothers. We always appreciate it. Man, you know you are more than welcome to call in here anytime you get ready, man. Thank you. Wait, thank- yes, you got one more? I know you got one more, don't you? You got one more jewel for me, right? I can call. Come on. Ah, Hey, man, I'm just messing with you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for reaching out. He brought Dallas, Texas in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. My brother, True Monger, cooking. Who else we got? Oh, he said the phone lines are open. Call in. We got lines. But we also got Nazarene X from Atlanta, Georgia. Nazarene, jump in here yo
6: <laughs> what up bro, bro check. man look, I got in trouble again for my so called black and white thinking but I'm one of them twilight Zone Wait, brothers. is
1: it so called or is it real
6: I don't really care I just know I got in trouble and <laughs> I owned it so uh here's the thing right uh, Cause I think there's a difference between having bottom lines and non negotiables
7: mm. and
6: just like having your respective individual head on straight or say on track with how you want to look at things. I mean, you can be open-minded, but let me give you this example. If I, I can real quickly years ago, I met a woman and she was really on her, like, as far as speaking points, she was like, you know, like, you know, yeah, the black woman is God, I'm God in the flesh, this and the third, like, I'm a God, this and the third, right? This is about three years ago. And the whole time while she's kind of exuding or, like, pushing this I'm God in the flesh, I'm God in the flesh thing, I'm like, cool, respect. But at the same time, he was talking about taking the Jabawaski, like, because of the COVID pandemic thing. Because mm-hmm. she was scared of COVID. Mm-hmm. So for me personally when I heard that to me, what was a contradiction? I kind of brought that up like, well, how, how do you guy, but you scared of a virus to the extent where, you know, you feel like your only uh, mode of recourse would be X, Y, Z option. Like with that, you know, just kind of peering in that mind and not to say was right for her, but in the context, it was like, for me, I guess it's kind of black and white in that sense in terms of certain aspects or elements or the way that I feel like life works. So for me, I could be looked at as a black and white thinker in the sense that, okay, well, the whole of God isn't necessarily only going to find protection by way of a man-made situation.
7: Mm.
6: If he's in like, that, that kind of contrast. So it's like, I, mean, I let people kind of do what they do, but... In that sense, I, I, maybe that's me being a black and white thinker. Kind of sound like that?
1: No, um, I just think you I have. Think I just think you have your opinion about that. And at the end of the day, she's got to do what she's got to do to stay employed. And you know, during that time, you you know, if you don't get that <laughs> shot, you know, hey. You know, yeah, you're not right. going to be employed. So, you know, and then you had a lot of people who, who you know, said, you know what? I'm not taking it. And you had a lot of people who said they were. So, again, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's black or white thinking. You asked a question in context of religion. Now, just because somebody says that they're God, it doesn't mean that they adhere to a a, a particular belief systems definition of God. She might be saying she's consciousness and then i've seen some people who mm-hmm. said you know what i'm i I am supreme consciousness i am christ consciousness and i'm gonna take this shot to keep my job because this ain't gonna hurt me because of my mindset right I, right right i've had people say yeah. that so i don't necessarily yeah, yeah. see it as black and white thinking
6: mm-hmm. and that's just the thing i wasn't um even to me again i wasn't asking even from a religious standpoint. Again, just kind of resting in exploring the context of these statements. Because again, especially when you're meeting different people and it could be any, say, set of principles or I think how you spoke to it, like different moral pluralities, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, moral ambi- thing moral, where, moral you know,
1: ambiguity.
6: Right. So looking to get to a space of clarity is just what it's all about for me. So again, that's another thing. Whereas those, uh, I guess, when people get so pressed up on it's either this or that, then it was, like, again, the flip side or, uh, say, a next hurdle of that kind of conversation became, hey, well, if I'm not gonna subscribe to your way of thinking, if I'm not gonna take the jab, then I, I'm i not for you. And I'm like, alright, cool, I'm not, I'm not for you. Like, that's cool. Oh, wow. But that doesn't mean, yeah, that type of stuff, because it's like, again, but that's Sometimes I feel like it's cool to, like I said, play around with the gray zone or get in that twilight zone, like getting the thicker thing.
1: Where'd you go? Mm-hmm. Where we lost you. Where's Nazarene X? We lost him. Are you on speaker or Bluetooth? We can't hear you, Naz. Where did he go? Nazarene. Oh, snap.
6: Okay. <laughs> okay. Come back, man. Damn. Am I bad? <laughs> yeah, the Bluetooth kicked up. Uh Just real quick, I don't know where it cut off, but I was just saying that's where I would uh encourage people to approach the so-called Twilight Zone, or like the space of the unknown, because you're going to discover things about yourself or even the opinions of others, the perspective of others, the experiences that you're in, and then at the end of the day, you still make the best decision for yourself. But the answers sometimes are in that realm of the unknown, so like sometimes it's better for us to go ahead go and get some information be open minded get an additional perspective and all so that way we can still refine how we want to proceed for on whatever level mm-hmm. so i just say like play around with the twilight zone
1: <laughs> the twilight zone <laughs> that's what i call it i just call it. hey man listen i appreciate your insight man i appreciate it and thank you for calling in as always Hey, man, this is Uh, good stuff, man. man. This is good stuff. Thank you so much. Nazarene X from Atlanta, Georgia. Again, when I come forward, when we come forward, I'm going to talk about the wounded ego, The uh, the, you know, how the wounded ego creates these uh, fear-based perspectives that are limited and rigid and how they could potentially cause us You know, to damage our relationships by trying to protect ourselves with black or white thinking. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. We finna come forward though. Our wounded, egoic, fragile, limited, binary, and fear-based perspectives can indeed be a significant contributing factor to our psychological pain. Right. These perspectives often arise from past experiences, conditioning and societal influences that shape our beliefs and perceptions. When we hold on to these perspectives rigidly, they can create a distorted lens through which we view ourselves, others and the world around us. And the reason why we're talking about this limited perspective stuff is because. Again, if these filters are over our eyes, right, right? If these limited and rigid belief systems and perspectives are over our eyes, then it's really hard to see the humanity in our partner. So anything they say to explain or to give context to what may have happened in a relationship, a disagreement, an argument, frustration, falling out of love, whatever it is, might be seen in a negative light. We've got callers on the line. Let's get them in here to talk about it. Haru Ali, Battle Creek, Michigan. Peace and
8: love to the family of nations, honor soul, and Andy Arabia, and the gods, have a smiley, and all staff. Listen, um, there was a popular song. Back in uh, the nineties, that said,
4: you could get with this, or you could get with get that. With that. <laughs>
8: you could get with this because this is where it's at. Wait a minute, those are. I only have two choices: Republican or Democrat. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> right, right. So, so what? I, what I would. What I would tell you is um, this is like an everyday phenomenon I see played out uh in my life experience. It's like you couldn't consider uh any other uh relationship paradigm. That's absolutely no. It's got to be monogamy. It's got to be, you know what I'm saying? It's like, really? Who were you? And matter of fact, where did you get your relationship paradigm from? Mm.
1: Well, I, I, do we want to judge him like that, Heru? I don't. I don't. No, I was asking a question. It wasn't a judgment. It was a question. Okay. Go ahead, sir. But, Go it, ahead, sir. But wait a minute. You said, who are you? <laughs> Where did you get your relationship? No, I said, yeah, yeah.
8: Who, who, who were you before you adopted and was inculcated, indoctrinated by your colonizers? But d okay. like, okay. how did you live before, you know, uh, uh, allegedly sixteen nineteen, which a So we you know talk about you're are,
1: talking about slavery now. So No ska- no, I'm
8: talking about the indoctrination that has started since we met those uh smallpox infected uh uh
1: testosterone toxic monkeys. Wait a minute. Uh, Haru, wait, hold on, Harold. Are you saying yes, yes, every sir. Every African or uh, original man society was aboriginal indigenous. I'm listening, aboriginal indigenous. Right? Are you saying they were all polygamous?
8: What I'm saying is, I'm just asking because are, so, no, I'm just absolutely. asking, Go ahead, sir.
1: and the only reason why I'm asking is because every time I hear this, they'll. You know, before we came here, we had a different mm-hmm. construct for relationship. We before were
8: before they came here, because you know,
3: let's answer uh, my less question. Wait, just yes, answer sir. my question. I'm, I'm about are, to answer. It. Are ahead, all ahead, are sir.
1: all of the Aboriginal Indigenous folks, man? Are they all mm-hmm. non monogamous? I'm trying to figure that out. Not today. I'm saying not, not, I'm saying not in, in, ancient, history, in ancient times they were all non monogamous i'm just I'm just asking
8: well, I wasn't there, but what I can tell you is that there is more than enough uh uh primary evidence to demonstrate that uh it wasn't monogamous well first of all here's the thing why you think your baby daddy, not yours, because we don't have no baby daddy. Why do you think your baby daddy is sleeping with you and sleep with her and you know, but he with you and all that stuff that's called serial monogamy? Somebody came up with it. Why Why is that okay? Uh, listen, a tiger can't change his stripes? Yes or no?
1: A tiger can't,
8: <laughs> but a human uh, no, can no. Well, oh, Well, I like tiger stripes on the human female, but well, here we go. No, 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 listen. Nature always wins in the end. We have been indoctrinated and inculcated. We don't even speak. What, what's our original language? What's your original language? You from you from from Chattanooga, Tennessee? I'm from. From well, uh, well, Birmingham, Alabama, well, with
1: wait, the chalk talk. Wait, hold on, Haru, you going yes, all o- you going all over the Uh-oh, place? Oh, man
8: argument. I see you
1: third eye. No, I'm just saying. Go ahead. You go ahead. You're going all over the place? I want to. I want to be clear here. Black and white thinking. Bottom yeah. line, it's either this or that. It's either right or wrong. Right? And I'm trying to be clear how that could be detrimental for intimate relationships.
8: Because that eliminates synergism.
1: Talk to me about it.
8: The the synergistic approach, the win-win approach. Mm -hmm. Remember in in, in the past, I always said that, um, (laughs) like you care, it's all the third eye. The approach is I'll never compromise. They always say we got to compromise a relationship. I will only cooperate to where we both win because compromising suggests that One person gets something and the other person loses something. So why can't we take the synergistic approach, the win-win approach? Wait, does it mean that?
1: Wait, hold on. In relationship, this is is the only caveat I have for compromise. And you tell me if you agree or disagree. I say you compromise Mm -hmm. in order to make the relationship work, but you compromise all the way up to the line to where you have to compromise who you are. You don't compromise who you are. You compromise for the relationship. You compromise for your partner. But if that compromising gets to the point where you compromise yourself, that's how you lose yourself. That's how you become emotionally enmeshed in the relationship and you can't find Mm -hmm. yourself. You don't want to do that. So. You understand what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah, is I'm, that, I, I, is I absolutely that different? Do. Is that different from your definition of compromise?
8: A compromise is a compromise. Somebody takes a L. Somebody takes a W. I will only cooperate to where we are rational human beings who has critical thinking, emotional intelligence to where. What is the best thing for both of us, even if her wait, her suggestion wait, is better?
1: Wait, stay with me. Stay with me. When yes. We will come forward. We're going back to Battle Creek, Michigan. I'm trying to work it out. My brother, Haru Ali,
7: is on fire. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today, I'll be discussing the dangers of black and white thinking. Black and white thinking is the tendency to think in extremes. While it is normal from time to time to use black and white thinking, developing a pattern of dichotomous thinking can interfere with your health, relationships, and your career. The official psychological term for black and white thinking is splitting. Black and white thinking is essentially a defense mechanism developed in early childhood in order to feel in control. Essentially when a child is being abused, they feel out of control and in essence they are helpless to their abuser to their perpetrator and therefore black and white thinking offers a sort of control tactic or feeling that the individual is in control when they think in terms of all or nothing it doesn't allow for nuances and it allows the individual to feel like they are the ones who determine what is good what is bad what is right and what is wrong essentially feeling control in their out of control state now those who think in terms of black
1: and man that's what we've been on all night nuance can be misinterpreted as excuse-making, context. Everybody's a bottom-liner. Bottom line, this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. Heru Ali, are you one of those bottom-liners?
8: No, no. Ain't no bottom-liners. Listen, I'm, I'm all about what's best for us, not what's best for me.
1: Hmm. Interesting. No, no.
8: It's, it's the synergistic approach. When I was... Interview by, uh, several fire departments when that I worked at, they asked me, uh, a, a, a real pivotal question. They said, is there any time, any time that you feel that it's okay to disobey an order from your lieutenant or your captain? I said, absolutely. They said, can you, can you describe that time? I said, If I believe that I can go ahead and go into this structure and save said persons, because we we risk our lives to save savable lives. Mm
3: -hmm.
8: Absolutely. I'll disobey the order and I will go in there and I will deal with the consequences of saving someone's life. Okay. Absolutely. So it's the win-win. It's the synergistic for me. Nobody loses in synergism. I
1: like that. I like that.
8: Nobody loses. Listen, nobody nobody wins when the family feuds, but nobody loses when the family is synergistic in relationship and all of that stuff. And and I have to give a, a premier shout out to the queen. Yeah. L- listen, it's just it, <laughs> listen. Is it, it, is the understanding is women. Your superpower is your femininity. Mm-hmm. Is your femininity? Keep
1: going, brother. <laughs> all right, thank you, man. I Heru has, to the of nations, please
8: stay safe. And thank third, you, I, I love you, brother. I don't know you, but it's all good.
1: There I it see is. you, <laughs> Heru Ali, Battle Creek, Michigan. Andy had a great point on compromise. He had he had an interesting perspective. Talk to me about that brother Andy.
4: Yeah, as
3: I was telling you uh, during the break, um, you know Haru Ali uh, mentioned compromise and I know you guys were going back and forth about it, but you know the way I see compromise is uh, the creation of a third space, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in my space, you you are in your space, right? Mm -hmm. There's things that you like and dislike about me, Mm -hmm. there's things that I like and dislike about you. Now in order for us to be synergistic, as as Haru Ali said, I think it's best to create what I call a third space. Mm. In other words, it's like we create, uh, for lack of a better term, like the Ten Commandments mm. that me and you will abide by. Mm. That is our compromise. So we come together and just be like, all right, well, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. Well, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. And once we come into an agreement, these are the commandments that we will, you know, follow up with, follow by and, and abide
1: I like that. Andy, the engineer, is in here cooking. I need y'all to understand something, though. The goal is to cultivate as much internal freedom as you possibly can in intimate relationships. It's very difficult to cultivate internal freedom when you are imprisoned to unhealed wounds. Unhealed wounds have a tendency to actually imprison our perspective within this framework our significant others can indeed become triggers for unresolved and unacknowledged pain that already exists within us they may unintentionally activate our insecurities fears and unresolved emotional wounds causing us to react in ways that are disproportionate to the present situation This can lead to conflicts, misunderstandings, and a deepening of our psychological pain. However, it is important to note that while our wounded perspectives can contribute to our psychological pain, they are not the sole root cause. Our pain can also stem from a variety of other factors, such as childhood trauma, unresolved emotions, unmet needs, and even biological uh, uh, predispositions it is a complex interplay of various elements that contribute to our psychological well-being black and white thinking a defense mechanism man this is interesting i wanted to start a conversation to get us to see that there are a lot of wrinkles in this relationship world Right. And I'm now starting to understand why people throw relationship people away or good people. They end relationships because really ending the relationship is basically saying I'm at the end of my own internal reserve in terms of tools, the tools that I have. I don't have any more tools. So if you don't have any more tools, you can't do any more work. If you can't do any more work, what's the what's the purpose of staying in a relationship that is unfulfilling? So, you know, that's just that's kind of hurtful to come to that that realization. But for many people, that's what happens. People run out of tools or they don't know how to employ tools and perspective and i would say nuanced discussions and conversations very powerful tool right like really it is a powerful tool that can change things right what what do you what do you mean though man when the humanity in a person shows up and they fail you in some kind of way and they disappoint you in some kind of way if you have this tool right wow, you can change things. You can you can say, you know what? I'm going to look at a person's intent over their actions. Right? Maybe their actions hurt me, but the intention was articulated and I accepted the intention, right? And so the intention kind of, not necessarily absolved you of the pain that was caused, but It gave you some grace. Right. We talk about grace all the time. I'm going to end with this Krishnamurti quote. Freedom and love go together. Love is not a reaction. If I love you because you love me, that is mere trade. A thing to be bought in the market. It is not love. To love is not to ask for anything in return, not even to feel that you are giving something. And it is only such a love that can know freedom. Many of us think we love, but maybe we don't. I, You know, it just is mind boggling to me that you can fall out of it. Listen, I started the conversation. You finish it. The voice of reason on fire.